welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Good day today and welcome to this month's Side Alpha Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Uh, on the phone with me, I have uh, a good friend of mine who's been on this podcast, I believe, more than anybody else, um, a, a workmate and a good friend of mine who also is also a teacher, an instructor with me with uh, Capital Fire Training, Sam Bellani. Sam, welcome. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on again tonight, man. I, I appreciate the repeat uh, the, re- the repeat calls. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy our conversations because we always come up with some uh, some good topics, and uh, I think that uh, you and I kind of are on the same long lines of uh, when we talk about the job and, and how do we how we approach the job, and uh, you know what the things that we the satisfaction that we get out of the job, and, and what we try to you know explain to some of the newer people that are coming in of, of how we approach the job and why we like the job so much and how we can you know totally convince them with our attitudes and our actions of that this is hands down the best job in the world so um, with uh, without uh, going rambling on like I, I tend to do uh, I want to talk today about um, taking care of our people um, and the things that we do as chief officers uh, how we can take care of our people. Uh, if you are, aren't in the fire department, you're listening to that. If you're in the military, obviously you need to take care of the men and women that are under your command. And if you're in a, in a, in a business, uh, if you're running a business, you need to take care of your people there as well. When, when your people know that they're being taken care of by the bosses, they're going to produce a lot more for you. And it also gives you a lot of leadership credibility. It, it not only does it say that uh, you're a man of your word, but you know, you know, you not only walk the walk, you, know, you talk the talk, but you walk the walk. So, uh, so Sam, give me some input and tell me a little bit about how you um, as a chief officer, I know it's a, a relatively new role for you, but uh, you've definitely gotten your feet wet um, in the administrative side and dealing with people. How do you show the people, you know, when you are a captain and now as a chief, how do you take care of your people? Well, for, first and foremost, and I, I thought about this a little while when we spoke earlier, between now, uh, now and when we spoke earlier um, today, um, you know, the, the degree of selflessness that you have to have to, uh, to do this, do this thing right, because you know it's real easy. I think, especially today, to get promoted the, through the ranks, and uh, because you know you, you perform well, you do well. It's easy to kind of get caught up in you. Whereas you know, from day one, I think we both can agree, this job was never about us; it's about them. And uh, it's even even as a new firefighter, you were selfless in. Uh, and kind of genuflecting and, and, and sacrificing for your shift and uh, up through the, you know, as you became a, a informal leader and then a formal leader in your organization, um, always putting those that, that are uh, among you, um, among you and, and that you're responsible for ahead of, ahead of yourself. And you, you really got to set up your entire life for that. Um, I know my, you know, both of us are family men, have a wife and kids. I have a second one on the way. And uh, my wife definitely knows uh, how selfless I am, and uh, she supports that. And I think if you know, you, you got to set up your entire life for that. You got to set up not only your professional life, but your personal life, because there are times 
and I've definitely been there where at one or you know one in the morning you're you're, you're off duty and something happens to one of your guys, um, and you're 100 miles an hour down the road in your POV to uh, to help, and um, you carry that along uh, every every day. I walk in the firehouse. I don't necessarily have to consciously think of it. I think it's always there, but um, you just have to be ready to uh, sacrifice everything that you are uh, for your people. Um, to ensure that they have everything they need, and, and certainly if they get jammed up, that they're uh, they're getting everything they need from you and from the organization. I know, uh, you know, this whole, you know, this leadership thing that I've kind of really dug into, and and uh, I, I try to submerse myself as much as possible in a lot of the material that I read and, and uh, articles that I read about leadership, whether it be in fire service magazines or through the military, the, the, the military guys that I talk to. Um, the biggest thing is, is that what a, one of the number one things a leader has to understand is, is humility. And in that humility, understanding that it's not about you. Um, the, there's the job the organization is much bigger than you are, and you're not the center of the organization. Um, <clears throat> I break it down even further when we talk about uh, in the firefighting world, or you know, even in the military or police, uh, even taking it into the to the private sector. Your people, the people that work for you, are the most important thing. They're the ones that are producing the product. Um, the firefighters are the ones that are getting on that apparatus, getting their gear on pulling that hose line, um, grabbing the tools, forcing doors, going in, you know, 100 miles an hour, running into the danger. Um, They're performing for you. They're doing their job for you. Um, Same thing with the police. You know, the guys that are out on the street, the guys and gals that are on the street in their cars, they're the the front, the tip of the spear, whatever cliche you want to throw at it. They're the face of the organization. They're the ones that are going to be interacting with the public. They're the ones that are going to be shedding a positive light on the organization. Same thing in the private sector. The the people that are making the widgets on the floor, if they're not doing a good job, then the, the business isn't moving forward. As is with the military, all the, the military guys that I talk to, you know, the, the people that are leading their men and women say first and foremost that the, you got to make sure that the people are taken care of first. Um, the book that's out there, uh, Leaders Eat Last, that's um, a holdover, that's not a holdover, but that's uh, something that was gained from the Marines where the uh, the highest ranking officials and all the, the uh, commissioned officers eat last because they know the men and women that are the boots on the ground, they're the ones that need to be fed. They're the ones that need to make sure that you are going to um, they're going to have the good meal and they're going to be ready to fight. And you brought up about being a parent. And I try to tell people, I said, think of it this way. If you only had a small piece of bread and you had two kids, would you feed your kids first or would you eat the bread first? And overwhelmingly, I said, well, of course, I'd feed my kids first. And I'm not trying to, uh, to say that the people that work underneath of us are children. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, is that they come first and, and to, to give the lip services, I care about my men, that that's one thing. But again, we go back to what I said earlier. If you're going to talk to talk, you got to walk the walk. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you even, you know, something simple. I ate with my shift, um, worked overtime at Italian one last Sunday and, uh, ate both, uh, breakfast and dinner with my, uh, the shift that I'm still, you know, on paper assigned to, and, uh, you know, EMS eats first. You're, the, the folks that are going to be at the door first, the folks that are taking the biggest beating and the folks that are that they're on, you know, they're out the door and, and, and the, in the public's eye and helping the most. Um, 
and taking the worst beatings. You want to make sure they're fed first and, and they're taken care of first. And then, you know, it goes down the line. So, and of course, I always get in the, you know, when, I, when I'm a visitor, I, I go there on Sunday breakfast a lot of my off-going shifts still. And, uh, you know, they try to give me the old guest, hey, you're the guest, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I have to fight with them because I'm still like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm on paper, I'm still a captain of the shift. I have a very capable lieutenant running the shift who I, I take the world of. And, I, I, you know, I couldn't ask for a better leader in my spot. Um, but when I'm in there, it's, you know, it, it really is, it's about them and, uh, you love them, you love them to death. You love them, you love them almost to a fault. And, um, and that's a good thing because, you know, the alternative I, I think would, would, would yield such a negative result. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned it. It's like pulling teeth. It's like verbal tennis with these guys. Like, all right, chief, go ahead, go ahead, get something to eat. And I'm like, no, man, you guys eat first. And it's like, no, man, you know, you're the chief. And I'm like, look, the chances of me getting a call versus you getting a call is so, so low down the list. You are going to get out the door before I am. Get your food. And there's sometimes I'll just put the plate down and say, I'm in my office. I'll be back in a few minutes. Um, you know, it's, it's not that, that I, I just, they need to understand that I know you're showing me the respect and I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Um, but again, you are my guys and, and I'm your chief and I want you to be ready to, to roll out the door at a moment's notice. And, and, uh, and it happens more times than not. I think the last time I ate at a different firehouse other than the one that I'm assigned to, um, I sat down. Everybody got their food. They were eating, and I made my plate, and I sat down at the table, and I put my fork in the uh, – I can't even remember what we were eating. I put my fork down, and then, bam, engine tire get b- bounced out for a call, and I'm left by myself. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of proves my point. You know, At least they got a couple of bites in before they had to, to run the call. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, that whole leader eats last, it, it is a thing. And, and the people that are out there listening, just because you got the white shirt and the collar pins, that does not make you the most important person in the room. The, the guys that are that are out there, the face of the fire service, they are number one. And as long as the chief officers from, from headquarters, the, the, main, the main fire chief all the way down need to understand that everything revolves around operations. And uh, as long as operations is running smooth, the fire service is going to look top notch what do you think yeah no absolutely and you know it's it, it's nice when it comes natural and i think it comes natural to to, to those of us that it comes natural to i think it, it's because we've had we've had good good mentors good people that we followed certainly um you and i both are legacies in the fire service and, and having uh, fathers that, that did the job my grandfather did the job and um you know as, as early as i can remember just hearing uh, about the selflessness that they that they uh, carried forth to their people and, um, and then, you know, coming up through the ranks and seeing, and you know, you, you kind of, I'd like to say that you can pick your mentors, but really it happens organically and you just got to hope that the people that you pick are the best. And I, I definitely been blessed with that. And certainly, um, you know, even though we're talking is, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, um, we're peers on C shift as, as battalion chiefs. I'm an acting guy. Um, I've certainly followed your, your lead, um, you know, most of my career that I've known you for sure. And, uh, every, every little bit of that's led to who I am today. And, and, um, that's why we, that's why we're here talking about it too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to tell people, I said, well, you know, follow, if you, if you want to 
you know, see the things that I do. Make sure you understand the bad that went along with it because I made <laughs> mistakes along the way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thankful that I learned from my mistakes. But I tell people, I said, hey, look, this is a mistake that I made back in the day. Don't do that, you know. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those, you know, you, you want to pick, you you know, you want to men, be mentored by somebody. Just to understand that, you know, everybody has flaws sure. and as long as, as that person's humble enough to, to admit, you know, Hey, I've made mistakes in my life. Here's how I learned from it. And here's some things that you can take away from it. Um, one of the things, you know, it's, it's that season. I talked, um, to Anthony Castro's last shift or last shift, listen to me, uh, last <laughs> podcast. And, and, uh, he's, uh, he's retired from, uh, from uh, California. He's a battalion chief out in California. And, uh, fire engineering guy and, and he runs a um uh, a training website for trained firefighters and uh he does a lot of stuff when it comes to assessment centers and and we were talking about you know it's that time of season you know the fall when the uh the assessment center is coming around and uh we are no different in our county the uh the um firefighters are getting ready to sit for the uh well, they actually already sat for the written test for the masters and lieutenants exam and uh, the assessment center is coming up and and uh Every year, I try to make myself available to put together like a little um, impromptu uh, four to eight hour session of just, hey, come to me. Um, we're going to talk about the assessment center and what it's all about. We're going to run through some scenarios. But um, I find it kind of challenging this year because of everything that's going on with the pandemic and, and uh, you know, we can't have large gatherings. So we've definitely turned to the electronic age with, with zoom and, and teams and all that stuff. Sure. Um, so I am going to hold a, a, a team or not a teams, but a, a zoom uh, class for this assessment center. Hopefully it'll work out. I've been practicing. So hopefully I, I, it won't be too good so, or won't be too bad. So hopefully the guys that are listening to this understand that if it's a kind of a, you know, fumble in the football here and there, be, be patient with me. I, I'm still working through it. But that, that brings me up to a, you know, I've been fortunate in my career where I've had people give me a lot of stuff. I've been very lucky. I've been blessed. I've had a lot of mentors that really showed me the job. And I feel that it's it's not just because of the position that I'm in, but it, but it's my duty. It, I owe it to the people that are coming up that want to uh, advance in their career to, um, to give them or pass on anything that I can pass on to them for free. Um, and hopefully just any little bit that, uh, that I can pass on, if that helps it, that makes me feel good. And I know you've helped me with that too. So to talk to me about some of the things that you've done with your guys, you know, as a captain and, and now, you know, when you first got bumped up to the battalion chief, I know you did a lot of drills and stuff like that. So talk to me about what you did to, to make your guys better and how you passed on some of the stuff that you've learned along the way. Sure. Well, you know, um, uh, when I was parked there in the second, uh, battalion on sea shift, um, in the height of, height of the pandemic, uh, you know, at, at, at a point where we weren't even doing rounds, you know, we were, we were, we were afraid we were going to be a vector for the spread of um, COVID. So we, we kind of kept away, but I, I was, um, I had taken this, uh, this um, uh, professional development class for uh, instructorship. And they talked about uh, gamification and talked about, you know, different platforms about how like our newest, our newest generation, how they, how comfortable they are learning in this format. So, you know, it's kind of coincidental. We end up in this pandemic and, and this remoteness uh, and using technology to kind of push our message through. Well, our newest generation of folks, they're, they're already keyed into that. So when I started doing these zoom drills um, and then I kind of backed off of the, the actual 
going on Zoom and I started updating this website with, um, I would either put a uh, kind of like a, hey, this is something to think about with a, with a certain type of incident, uh, or I put a, um, I use the, uh, the, the, the the Sims you share the 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 um, the, the, the uh, app version, and I would put together scenarios. So I was already developing folks for this test, and it's kind of nice because um, I had somebody say, "Hey, I was, you know, I was at the academy taking EMT research. And I just, I wasn't in the conversation, but I walked by and heard them talking about what you were doing for this guys and how much it meant to them. And you know, that you, you kind of, um, you know, you almost get, get misty eyed about it because um, you know those those folks, you're you're coming in, and really it is, it's it's the buck stops with you. God forbid something happens to them, you know that kind of thing. Um, you're, it's, it's, you, it falls on your shoulders and, uh, they hear, they hear that you were able to help develop some folks and, and help them along the way. And, you know, 10 years down the road, um, I can still be working with those folks and they'll be like, Hey, remember when, and, uh, I'll see them doing the same thing because, you know, again, they, we, we passed those positive, um, those positive traits of, of leadership forward and, and, and that we're, we're doing everything we can, even even when we're hindered by by a global pandemic. We're doing everything we can to pass it forward. And certainly, uh, you know, when it comes up to these promotional tests and stuff, you wanna you wanna make folks as the folks in your that that you have the direct relationship with as a as a battalion chief, um, and even the ones that you know. Again, I you know talking about your thing this weekend uh, that's coming or this that's upcoming. Uh, I, I did a um, uh, uh, a Zoom with uh, a guy from my shift there at 1A. Um, I won't, uh, Kyle didn't mind me mentioning Kyle Schultz, who I, you know, he may as well be uh, my little brother. And um, you know, I, <laughs> my wife, my wife helped. Uh, he and his uh, now wife uh, find their house. I performed their wedding, uh, their their marriage ceremony last July. And uh, Kyle is like, uh, he's. Um, He's as close to me as I could as, as I could find on the job, and I got to talk to him today. And certainly, I think he sent you an email. He's going to be in your session, and it's just you know these folks that you you, you don't you don't like look out for them. You don't look you don't seek them. They they you find one another. It's not like they seek you. You seek them. You end up in the right spots because a lot of times the folks that that really have that those those characteristics are in the busiest and the best spots in in, in your organization. And um, when I was in, in the second battalion, you know, a lot of slower firehouses, um, you know, they're not they're, they're running a lot of river and beltway stuff, not as much fuego. But um, those guys are in there, too. They're just not in those busy spots because not everybody can be in those busy spots. And those folks we I ended up connecting with. And uh, those are the folks that um, I think I was able to help a little bit uh, in preparation for for promotion and, and it's just yeah man it's a beautiful thing it really is it's um you know think about how blessed we are to and you know <laughs> blessed is so overly cliched these days but it really is it's a blessing that you can go into work be in a in a leadership position where um you're able to develop everybody around you and sometimes it's not even formal it's just informal they see they see your moves they see what you're doing um you know they know you're up until 3 a.m sometimes looking after somebody that uh, in their firehouse, they look at you in the morning. They're like, "Man, what happened to you? You weren't on any of those calls you ran." No, I wasn't. No, but I was. Uh, and they know, you know, they're like, "Yeah, you were. You were at such and such. You're at the hospital looking after this guy." 
So, um, and, 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 you know, they put that in the back, they put that in their back pocket because one day they, they, they felt like, you know, they may be in, in our spots. Yeah. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I think that, you know, being in that, in that leadership spot and, and people need to understand that, you know, just because if you decide that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try and get to bed by 11 o'clock, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that that's when the job starts. I mean, yeah, if you run a call, you run a call, but there's lots of other things that happen. You know, you have members that, that get hurt. And, um, you know, I know our department is very strict about when somebody gets hurt and how we take care of them. Um, so I have to give kudos to my department or our department for, uh, you know, how we approach um, making sure that our people are, are taken care of. And then again, like we have said, oh, I take care of my people. Um, but you truly have to make sure that it's done 100%, uh, 365. Sure. Um, so the, um, but uh, you definitely want to make sure that, uh, you know, not only are you, making sure like if they have to go to the hospital you're making sure of it that that first of all they're being treated and they're taken care of and they're going to the hospital um then you have somebody that's posted there and they and they don't leave uh while one of our members is there until they either get admitted to the hospital or they are ready to come home um and it doesn't stop there either you're making sure that they're taken care of and and uh you know, you get them home. And, and we've had instances where, you know, we have guys that live uh, two, three hours away and, uh, you know, they've, they've hurt their back or hurt their leg and they, they can't drive their car home. You know, our department has no issue with load them up in the back of the ambulance, put the ambulance on a detail and drop them home. And also have somebody drive their car home also. So that's one less thing they have to worry about. Oh, by the way, call the, the spouse and let them know this is what's going on. Everything's okay. But we're bringing them home. I mean, hopefully we would have already made that phone call long before. But um, and and then you get them home, and it doesn't stop there either. Um, then you got to make sure that the rest of the shift is taken care of because it could have been something. It could have been a, a pretty bad injury, and and uh, those guys might need some type of uh, stress debrief. Sure. So you have to take care of that, and, and uh, it just goes on and on. And then then you know, as a leader in the organization, you should be making contact with that person who's off work for you know three, four weeks or more, um, especially if it's a person that truly just loves and breathes the job, they're disconnected from it now. And uh, it, it's a, some depression can set in. So as a leader of the organization, you know, as, as a chief, I take pride in calling my guys just to follow up. Hey, how you doing? Is there anything you need? Um, if that guy told me, he said, hey, I'm having a hard time. I can't get something going on. If I'm at home and I can't get anybody to go out there, I will get in my car and I will drive to that person's house and I will help them however I can because they've sacrificed for the job and now it's our turn to make sure that they're taken care of. Right. Um, talk a little bit about that. Say, I know I rambled on a little bit, but talk a little bit about that and how we take care of our people, not just taking care of them and making sure that they eat first, but how it goes into depth and the things that we do. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you've got – so. You get in this position, right? And and a, a lot of what we do is not it's not it's not fully scripted. So you, you really, um, you know, when you get in the morning after lineup and and making sure you know everybody's where they need to be and and, and the shift's going off to a good start. Um, you can do whatever you want to do. You can do rounds. You can you know, uh, you know, work with do do whatever. You, you've got you, the world's your oyster. But as soon the moment something happens with one of your folks. It's everything else takes a backseat. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about it uh, earlier, you know, I had a recent incident where, 
a guy, they were, they were eating a nice dinner, got choked, um, literally was not breathing. Uh, the, the captain was sitting right across from him, slid around, um, tried to get his arms around him because he's small and the guy was a bigger fellow. He couldn't get his arms all the way around to do the proper Heimlich. And I don't know how he thought about doing it, but he, he knew he knew he had to do something. So he gave him two two firm back blows and was able to dislodge um, the piece of meat that was covering his uh, his airway and got him breathing. But he's you know he, he, then he's uh, uh, something something's not right. It something's in my in my throat. Well, you know, long story short, he had something in his esophagus. So get him to Holy Cross Hospital. Um, you know, it's real easy to kind of. Yeah, again, being in our positions, it's easy to say, okay, well, uh, that guy's assigned to the ambulance. The ambulance driver's there with him, or the ambulance aide's there with him. I just leave those guys there, uh, that guy there. He'll he'll watch over him. Um, but you take kind of a personal responsibility for these folks. And, again, I'm in an acting spot. I'm in an acting spot for a, 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 a battalion chief who's out dealing um, directly with the COVID response. And it's, again, another person who I've, who I've followed up through the ranks. So we followed one another. We're kind of you know, same amount of time on the job, but um, a guy I, I care tremendously for. And uh, I would I would not want to do anything but the best for, for his shift while he's out. And, um, you know, I stay with that guy until uh, until his, his father's on the job as well. His father I worked in early 2000s in communications with, uh, on the USAR team with up through the mid-2000s and a guy I cared deeply for. And um, I stayed there until his dad got there and uh, he was in recovery. So they literally had to put this guy under to um, fish this piece of meat out of his esophagus. And uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was, we can laugh about it now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, when they tell them, you know, they're sitting, you're sitting there in the, in the literally it's the OR and they've called some an ENT guy in off duty, the doctor. And he's like, listen, uh, we're, we're about to put you under. There's a chance we can rip your esophagus. There's, some bad stuff that can happen. And you're like, I talked to this guy's dad. Um, I'm going to be here obviously. And, but you're like the gravity of the situation kind of hits you. And and it's one of those things. It's like, I could have had that two year on the job guy that was with him. who was exceptional, you know, an exceptional kid. Uh, I would trust him with that position, but that's not his job. His job is to provide, uh, service to to the through his um, through what he's his assignment. My job is to take care of the battalion. So that that's that's exactly what I did. I stayed on the air, and you know we had this talk. And again, this is another mentoring moment. Hey man, you know you know just think about like calling us next time to let us know we might have to cover. But it was one of those things that if something popped out, I would have called you guys right away. But I stayed on the air, but I stayed at the hospital that time until his dad was there. You know, we had the whole, um, he got lost coming in the hospital. It was a Holy Cross. I got lost coming out of the hospital. I couldn't find the ER. It's the middle of the night, so there's nobody in the hallway to ask. It's like, I was like, I'm never going to get out of here. <laughs> but uh, but it was nice to um, to see him go go through this procedure. Um, it was successful. Uh, he went on, you know, he's gone on to, to, to recover fully. And, um, but yeah, it's it, it, it kind of, um, I think, you know, so, so I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was at the academy, they're running the recruits. Um, Chief Clemens told me a story about early in his career. So we're talking about the 60s now. Uh, he got burned pretty bad down in Silver Spring and how little support was there because it's just not what you did back then. It's, um, hey, listen, sorry, kid, you're off the job. Take care of yourself, get yourself right, and come back. 
and he told me about this kind of like thing. He, you know, he came back from being bandaged up at the burn unit and he's sitting, not even, no, there wasn't even a burn unit back then, I don't think. Um, mm. But he was sitting in the parking, you know, in the parking lot. And he's like, damn, well, you know what? <laughs> Nobody's checking on me. It's one of those things. Hey, you're, you're just off. And, and that's just the way it was back then. I don't think it was that way across the board, but then again, listen to some of these, um, you know, these uh, getting salty podcasts from the, the, the FDNY guys, the warriors, it was the same way there. I think it was kind of the way society was. It was like, listen, um, Hey kid, you know, when you're in the firehouse, we got you. Um, just take care of yourself off duty, that kind of stuff. Like granted, if it became a, a line of duty death or something very serious, the, the folks chipped in, but if it was something like that, where it was, Oh, you got burned. Who cares? You know, it's, you'll be fine. You're going to heal up. Um, whereas now I think we, we really, um, we go to, um, to the proper limits really, uh, to ensure every little thing is, is covered for. And that, 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 that person, that firefighter knows that, um, you as the fiduciary of the, uh, of, of the department as the battalion chief is going to make sure that they're okay and make sure they have everything they need and uh, make sure they get back all uh, safe and sound to, to the job. So. And, and it really is all about taking care of, of the people and, <clears throat> transitioning away from this kind of gloomy gloomy topic but i, I think it is important um the people need to understand that you know it's not all about fighting fires and it's not all about you know pushing paperwork across the desk you know you do have to take care of your people and not just letting them eat dinner first but if they get hurt uh if they get hurt off the job i mean we there's so much pride in uh in my battalion that you know if a guy gets hurt off the job they're doing work swaps for him. They're making sure that you know he doesn't have to burn through all of his sick leave. They're going to take care of his grass um, if it's that time of season where the grass has to be cut. You know, I think back to to our, our buddy RJ. You know, when he hurt his knee, mm-hmm. uh, he was in a bad way, and those guys in in uh, his department really stepped up to the plate. And uh, RJ was just in awe. I think he only had to take like ten hours of sick leave for like the six months that he was off. Yeah. Um, or, or before he could get back to just light duty and and uh, the fire the American fire service in general I think has really taken a turn towards really taking care of our people um, looking into the aspects of the job when it comes to sleep deprivation mental health uh, injuries physical injuries on the job um, the gear that we wear the uh, you know the, the the cancers that we're exposed to even our physicals how you know, they've gone from, I remember when I first uh, got hired, I had to get my physical. I think it took about 20 minutes. It was like blood pressure. They did a chest x-ray, took a pulse, uh, took some blood, uh, had to pee in a cup. And that was pretty much it, you know. And now, you know, we're getting these stress tests and, and uh, you know, we're, we're being treated like a, like an athlete, although we're not getting paid like that. Uh, we're, we're getting the same treatment that, that a, 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 a professional athlete would get because, we are the number one, um, uh, the center of the organization, the operation, the people that are doing the work. They are number one, and we need to make sure that we're taken care of. And, and uh, you know, of course, with an organization our size, that takes money. But at the end of the day, it costs way more money for somebody to be off being sick or hurt um, to have to cover that position. So, you know, a little goes a long way. Um Let's talk a little bit about training, and uh, I know that uh, you hit the ground running when when they uh, when they moved you into this uh, bump up spot, and um, mm-hmm. with the training that that you uh, 
sent to you guys, and I know you were a little apprehensive about, uh, you know, if I, you know, how, what are they going to think if I start throwing all this training out there, and, uh, you know, how are they going to approach it? So, so talk to me about some of the training, how you got them into this training, some of the things that you did, and what was their overall response to you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I remember making two phone calls, uh, one one to you, one to uh, Steve Mann, who's a battalion chief, and in, in, in our, in our, obviously on our shift, and uh, the third battalion, and being like, I'm in this role, like how much, how much leeway do I have? Um, because there's nothing written about, you know, being in an acting spot. Um, you know, can I, can I do this, this, and this? And both of you said, and you, 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 it's almost like you read off the script, you know, you're the battalion chief now, you are the battalion chief of this battalion and you need to do, um, you don't need to do, you can do, cause I was worried about boundaries. I was like, you know, how much, how, how deep can I get into this without interrupting, you know, um, the flow? And they're like, you're not, you, you both were like, you're not interrupting anything. You got to be the battalion chief. You, if, if something's not being addressed, you need to address it. And, um, and don't be afraid to, um, to use your position to, to, to take care of your people. And so, you know, that made it very easy for me to come into this whole, you know, Hey, look, look, we're going to do these drills. And, and it started with a weekly drill. Um, started with doing a zoom thing and I made it, you know, Hey, listen, this isn't mandatory. This is, this is, we're in a, we're in a pandemic. We're all dealing with different things. Uh, we're all, we're all dealing with different call levels, but at two o'clock, um, 1400 hours, I'm going to log on. Here's the link. Um, if you, if you log on, we're going to, we're going to drill. And, um, you know, at first, um, there, there were definitely some hesitant people, but then I started assigning drill topics. Hey, um, and not like, hey, you do this, hey, you do that. Hey, is anybody interested in doing stuff? And my young guys stepped up first because obviously they want the opportunity to, to kind of get some leadership in. But then I had a, a very senior captain um, do a hazmat drill. And I always, you know, he said, hey, man, I'm interested in doing this. And I was blown away because you're thinking, you know, you, the guy, this guy could be my uncle. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and I'm not a battalion chief. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an acting battalion chief, but I'm, I'm still a captain like he is. And, uh, he was like, man, I think what you're doing is really cool. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to do this hazmat drill. And it was exceptional. It, 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 and not only his, his, um, not only his, his, uh, his drill, but the interaction and, and, and the feedback and everything was so good. And, and it, you know, he kind of kind of gave the global field this throughout the battalion. Everybody was like, "Man, this is pretty cool." Um, it's 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 kind of taking you. You know, we, normally this time in the afternoon we'd be out doing something, but because of this pandemic, we're kind of shut in, we're isolated, and uh, this is a great opportunity to, to to like get our minds thinking about. You know, I had a guy do uh, river calls, I had a guy do metro, I had a guy do obviously the hazmat stuff. We did some um, high rise stuff. You know, just different topics, and uh, you know, it, it really became this thing. But then uh, we got to the point where we were, you know, people were starting to be able to kind of go out and do company drills. So I backed the uh, the online logon portion off and accelerated the posts of um, you know tactical scenarios. And um, the folks, the young folks that were preparing for the test, really, really. Um, jump on board with it. And, and, you know, it was, it was just such a, you know, I, I, you know, I would love, you know, when, it, when once FDIC starts back up, it would be a great topic to present on, Hey, 
you know, how you, how can you, you know, how to engage when, when you can't engage kind of thing. And, uh, it, it just, it really turned out to be a great thing. And I'm, I'm still doing occasional posts and I'm posting as often on there, but I'm um, looking at the hits and the views. People are still logging on to it and uh, running through the scenarios and, and reading the posts and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's good that, uh, you know, and, and I remember the conversation and, and that's, that was what it is like, Hey man, the fire chief has entrusted you to to take this position. Um, yeah, maybe maybe uh, you don't have the official rank, but once you're in that position, for all intents and purposes, you're the battalion chief. It's your battalion, um, and you didn't know how long you were going to be there. So I said, take the bull by the horns. Yeah, do what you want. You know, be upfront with the guy saying, "This is what I want to do. This is where I want us to go." And uh, the fact that you actually empowered your people to say, "Hey, you know what." I want one of you all to, to, to lead a drill. And, and I would have even taken it a step further um, of would have said, okay, um, I've got three drill topics. Um, here you go and, and assign to somebody. Pick a drill topic. And uh, next shift, I need a, a drill. I want at least a, a PowerPoint with at least you know five or six slides or if you really want to go, make it bigger. But I really want you to give this drill and it should be at least an hour. And uh, say, but... You make it yours. Yeah. And, and uh, you'd be surprised, you know, especially the people that wanted to give you a little bit of pushback in the beginning when you assign them a project. Now it's a sink or swim. Hey, if I deliver a subpar project, people are going to look at me as in the person you assigned it to as as the person that is a problem as opposed to if you knock it out of the park, that means you've really taken ownership of that, uh, that particular project. And I think you'll get a lot of buy-in and it seemed like you did get, uh, quite a bit of buy-in from the guys. And I know you had to roll out of there and and you went to, um, went across the County to another (laughs) battalion, um, to fill in. But, uh, you know, at least now you've got that under your belt and say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And you took over for somebody who just retired. So they basically, they don't have a battalion chief yet. You know, he's coming. Um, now the question is, is how long is he going to be doing this COVID stuff when, if we're going to start to get, uh, back into it again, and we start having, uh, this spun up again, we're not sure if that's, what's going to happen. And, you know, you, you may be in, let's, let's hope you get promoted by the end of November. Um, so if anybody from our higher ups are listening to this, you need to make sure you promote Sam because he's kicking ass in this position. But, um, you know, hopefully, uh, that that'll be, you know, you'll get your spot, but, as it stands, you're the battalion chief, yeah. and uh, I haven't had a chance to run a really good call with you yet. I'm waiting for it because I know we're uh, we're going to knock it out of the park. Oh, absolutely! But um, absolutely. empowering your people and and letting them take the reins and, and to, to, that kind of shows them that hey, I trust you to, to deliver a good product. A product, you know. Here's your parameters, and other than that, the rest is yours. Give a good product. Um, yeah, and, and real so, quick, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention yeah. uh, our boss. Um, uh, uh, Assistant Chief Rocky Nelson, who's the doc on C-Shift, because he's really given me these two opportunities. And um, again, so, you know, when I was back at the academy, um, I was doing some in-service stuff, and he he was still in the safety office, and he posted up and participated in the drill. And I, I, I'd always had, you know, I think a pretty decent relationship with Chief Nelson, but um, I saw him do this, and I'm like, this guy is incredible. Like, he is... Um, he, he, he didn't have to come out of his office. He's got a lot to deal with in that safety spot. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine um, the, the amount of work that goes into his, his position, but he came down here, put his gear, put his PPE and SCBA on, went through this drill. And I was, 
I, I was always pretty impressed by his by his style because he's very laid back, unassuming, um, probably uh, you know humble to a fault. <laughs> but um, uh, just and, and the fact that he's given me this opportunity, and I think he saw it in me, and I certainly um, I think he, you know, he uh, he saw my reaction to, to his to his coming and participating. I was blown away, and I think ever since then um, he certainly had. He's had me on his radar, and and uh, and I, I I'm ever the grateful, you know. And, and there's other obviously there's other chiefs in this organization that uh, in our department that are the same way, from um, you know folks that are in our in our uh, division chief spots. Um, you know, there's 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 definitely a handful there, uh, you know, that I can mention by name that uh, have look, either looked out for me or or really um, kind of given me the, you know, you know how it is, man. You, you get this you get the encouragement from those folks that you're doing the right thing. And it's such a good feeling and you see them doing the right thing. And, um, you know, it's like, okay, we're, we're in a good spot here. We're really, we really are fortunate. And I, you know, every department has their, their bugaboos. Um, but we're real fortunate in what we have. And, uh, it's definitely enabled me to do, to, to, to do what I'm doing so far and, and giving me the opportunities, hopefully to promote and, and move forward. So, yeah, and, and one of the things that you, you made mention to it, and we were going to transition to this, you talked about, you know, how the the upper management was, was encouraging, encouraging to you and, and, and uh, you know, how that made you feel. And, and as a leader, one of the things that it seems that we lack is to be able to, to go to somebody and say, hey, man, you did a really good job. Um, whether it doesn't matter if it was a fire, if it was a, a, an EMS call, if it was, you know, waxing the hell out of the fire engine, you know, cleaning up the firehouse, whatever, you know, giving that encouragement, giving that praise goes a long way. Not only does it, it lets the people know that you're watching, um, but it also lets them know that you're engaged and you see what they're doing and you truly genuinely appreciate the efforts that they're taking to do well in their position. Right. So, you know, when as a captain, how did you uh, encourage your people without you know being overly uh, overt about it? Uh, you know, but you know, I'm not saying you got to put your arm around them and like you're so good, you're awesome. You know, it's it's not like that. It's more the subtleties. And uh, how did you approach that as a captain, and how have you pushed that forward as as a battalion chief now working in uh, you know when you were in the second, now you're in the fourth. Well, you know, I think anybody that's uh, worked with me will, will certainly say, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm, I'm an emotional guy. And uh, I, I think, you know, from the get-go, going going to going to the uh, one engine on the A-shift there, I, 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 um, I, uh, I took over for a captain. I got promoted to battalion chief, who I'm very close with. And uh, he and I, I think, have uh, so much in common. But our management styles are slightly different, um, not, not, not in recognizing our folks and challenging our folks and that kind of stuff. But um, I, uh, I kind of let shift, um, you know, it's one of those organic things. I, I, I knew that I had some folks that, that were in firefighter positions that were going to promote uh, or take the promotional exam. I wanted to give them the opportunity to, to come up with drills, do the lineup, um, you know, do, do things that uh, maybe a, a captain or a lieutenant in a firehouse or, this, or, the, or the, the senior master would do. I wanted to give them the opportunity to do those things because I knew one day they'd be doing them. And um, sometimes it's, it's easy just to do that stuff. But 
here's here's what I had. So if it was at a slower firehouse, I probably would have been more comfortable with just doing it. Um, but with such a busy firehouse, giving those folks the opportunity to do it, it kind of like it's it it, it, it cemented that that um, that responsibility in them because they're so busy otherwise. And it, it kind of makes it doesn't make any sense almost. It's like okay, well, a slower firehouse, you just delegate it around. But in the slower firehouse, um, you know, the folks have more time to absorb your style. They have more time to absorb uh, things that you do as a captain or as a company officer, as a as a as, a, as an informal leader in the job. A very busy firehouse, they might not catch it because uh, you know lineup hits and and five minutes in the lineup, two of those units are gone. Well, before before they, you know, as, if, as, as soon as they got in the morning, they're thinking about the lineup, thinking about the daily drill, thinking about this and that. Um, I've delegated this responsibility to them. They're already doing it. So even though they're, there's, you know, it's almost like you feel, you don't really feel bad because they enjoy it, but you're like, man, these guys are really busy. I don't know if I want to delegate this stuff to them, but I knew that was the right thing to do because it, it they didn't have time to sit back and observe me. They, they I needed to, push them forward. And then, you know, when they made uh, mistakes here and there, you know, I would in, informally, uh, you know, pull them aside or that kind of thing and say, Hey, think about this, think about that. And uh, it worked so well. And um, I'm so glad I did it that way. And, uh, you know, I could, I could have really been a very formal um, come in and done it, done it by, done it by the book, done it by the rules. But I, I, I kind of delegated things out and let, and let those guys um, dictate things. And it worked. I think it worked out very well um, for for that for that you know. And you go to a position and a spot, you kind of evaluate uh, your players, uh, the folks on your shift. You evaluate um, you know your your uh, your environment, and you're able to kind of make these make these moves. And and you know again, if it doesn't work, you can always you know drop back and punt and uh, reorganize things and, and kind of you know right the ship so to speak but i saw this opportunity i'm like i'm doing it i'm going to give these guys the opportunity to to make these decisions and 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 lead this way because they're not going to get a chance off duty to do it in a two-hour drill we're going to we're at best going to have a half an hour drill and it's going to be technique driven it's not going to be leadership driven because there's just not enough time for it so uh, i saw this saw this opportunity to do it and i did it and uh, i'm glad i did but um, you know, a transition into, again, uh, my first assignment uh, as an acting battalion chief in the second time, a little slower, definitely a different dynamic with the river and uh, dealing with the, um, the Capitol Beltway and, and the bottom of 270 and that kind of stuff. Um, but I was able to adjust there. And then again, in the fourth battalion with um, where I am now, a little busier, um, you know, they don't have those, those two really big big things to address the highways and the river. Um, they're, they're, they're addressing a densely populated, uh, suburban area. And, um, I've definitely adjusted a little bit my, my, my leadership style to them, because again, it's, it's, um, you know, you, you address the deficiencies, but you don't, you don't go in and change, you don't go and change the rule book. You, you go in, evaluate how they're doing and make those slight adjustments because, you know, that, that battalion and that shift uh, that I'm working with right now, they're top notch. I couldn't ask for a better bunch of folks. And I felt that way in the second, in the second battalion on C-Shift too. <laughs> I really had a, 
pardon me, a great bunch of folks that um, not only that I felt like I was able to give a little to, but they definitely gave a lot to me. And uh, yeah, I'm ever, ever, ever grateful for it. Yeah, and one of the things that you'd made mention to is, is I see a lot of officers doing this now is when you have uh, <laughs> firefighters and, and even masters that are looking to move forward into the master position or the lieutenant position, um, being able to push them up and say, hey, you know what, today you're going to ride the front seat of the engine, I'm going to ride into the back, and, um, you know, I want you to run run these calls, and, you know, I'm, I'm here if you need me. But I want you to run the calls. And one of the things that I that I always did is that I would tell them, I don't want you to run these calls how you think I want to run it. I want you to run it how you're going to run it. Yeah. I want you to be yourself. And that I think that's like the number one thing when we start off with this assessment center training. When I do these classes, the first thing I tell them is that you have to be yourself because you don't know how to be anybody else unless you're a professionally trained actor is to be yourself. And uh, and I, I push that. I said, be yourself. Talk on the radio how you would talk on the radio, um, you know, and and then we'll critique each call that we run and things that we could have done better, or if everything went great, we'll talk about the things that you did great, um, and then tweak it. And I think that makes them feel a little more comfortable. But not only that, it also shows them that you trust them and yeah. that you're giving them a little bit of rope, and you're going to allow them to uh, to make decisions, which is something that we, we we lack in the fire service the the uh, the ability to make decisions or the fear to make decisions. So we want them to we want them to do that. And, um, you know, I've gone out now where, where I will talk to captains, you know, they'll say, hey, I've got them now to where instead of them calling up and saying, hey, uh, you know, my fire engine's out of service or, hey, I got to get this person up here. What, what do you want me to do? What should I do? As opposed to, hey, you know what? Hang up the phone. Think about what your issue is. Think about what the solution might be, and then call me up and tell me what you're going to do. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, at first they probably thought I was kind of an ass, but uh, and I explained to them. I said, I don't want you to just come at me with problems. You're a smart person. You're a captain. You've passed the test. You've got college. You you know how to think. You know how to make decisions. So don't come at me with a problem. Come at me saying, Hey, here's what's going on. This is what I'm thinking about doing. I said, If I'm fine with it, I'm going to say, Hey, great, thanks a lot. If it doesn't work because I've got other things going on that you're not seeing, I'll just say, hey, on normal circumstances, that would work, but I got this and this going on. What do you think about maybe we do this? And we'll come up with a decision together. But that's the biggest thing is is I want to encourage my, my officers. I want to encourage the uh, you know the firefighters. Make decisions. Now, we all know how to make decisions when we're in a fire. We know that we're going to lay out and pull lines and take our tools inside and do the things that we're going to do. But it's the admin stuff that's at the firehouse. It's the it's the stuff that's not so sexy to talk about when you have employee issues or you have apparatus issues or you have, you know, 10 different things in your in-basket and you only have time enough to do seven. So what do I do type of things? Yeah. Um, and that's where it really pays pays dividends. Have, have you bumped into any of that yet, or have you had people calling you up telling you, you know, hey, here's my problem, solve it for me, or are they actually taking the taking the uh, the lead and, and coming at you with solutions? Yeah, thankfully, and I, I think it, it, you know, again, um, you know, give, giving credit where credits due, um, uh, Chief Daniel, who who I who I, you know, I took over for, she retired. Um, you know, her, her folks know to call, to call with solutions. And that's, you know, it's the whole thing, you know, calling with the problem, you know, they'll describe the problem. And, and if it's something they're not, they're not, you know, they, they've never run into before. Obviously um, they're looking for me, looking uh, towards me for a solution. And I, you know, I always said, you know, if I don't have the solution for you, give me five minutes and I'll have one for you. But 
nine times out of 10, even, you know, uh, across the board with, with, uh, both, you know, being, being in this, I think I'm in the eighth month now in an acting role. Most folks call, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, this is what we want to do. What do you think? And, uh, and, and, you know, again, it's, you know, very, very rare is the case where somebody calls and they're like, hey, this is what's going on, blah, you know, and, and deal with it. Um, you know, and those folks, again, you know, in, in a perfect world, every every single person that we work with would be um, 100%, uh, 100% on, on board with how we, how we operate, how the department wishes us to operate, and certainly how the community wishes us to respond. That's not always the case. And, uh, you know, those are your mentoring moments. You get, you get folks that are, that are not necessarily keyed in and, um, it's all about your approach then, right? Because, uh, especially in an acting spot, you know, it, I was still wearing captain's bugles on my, uh, on my shirt. Uh, but I'm, I'm in this acting retention role. So, you know, I play it, I don't necessarily play it with kid gloves, but I play it in, in a way that kind of, um, puts the ball in their court, but also uh, giving them enough mentorship to say, hey, listen, you know, even though we're, we're technically of equal rank, I'm, I'm in a battalion chief spot. Um, this is what I would do in your spot. And this is also what I think the department would like us to do. And I, I've never had a disagreement with that. I think um, people are, people that don't have solutions are always happy to hear them. Um, and I think that also develops them, in, in, you know, in a, in a direct and indirect manner. And then I've also had folks that I think are pleasantly surprised when they when they offer me a solution. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Because, you know, you think about it, uh, again, go, going back societally, you know, a, a generation ago even, um, you would offer a solution. And because that person was in a leadership position, they felt like maybe you were challenging their authority and they would almost adjust it and sometimes adjust it to your detriment. So they would adjust whatever your solution was to your, to, to the detriment of, of the entire plan, the organization, blah, blah, blah. That no longer happens. I think that, you know, societally and certainly departmentally, um, we've come a long way with that. And, uh, it's nice. It's nice to have that because otherwise, you know, I, I can't imagine being a boss, in a uh, in an era where it's like, oh, well, I feel challenged by somebody trying to give me a solution. I'm <laughs> at two in the morning when somebody calls you and they give you a, a problem and they also have a solution for it. You're like, you want to do a backflip? <laughs> it's like this is great. Um, this, you know, I I knew he, I knew this person would have a solution for me, and uh, it's the right one, and and let's go with it. And it's 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah, there's a couple of things to unpack there. You know, the, the first thing that you had talked about, you know, is somebody calls up and uh, they genuinely need some help, and they don't they don't know how to do it. You know, that's showing me a lot. That's showing me their humility. It's okay yeah. not to know something. Right, right. It's perfectly okay. You know what? Um, I'll help you, and we'll, we'll figure it out together. Um, just like me, I've had people call me up and, and say like, "Hey, we need to do this, this, and this," and I'm like, "You know what?" That, that's that sounds vaguely familiar. Let me go back and check my emails, and there may be something on there. I said, but I just don't know right now. But let me go get the answer for you. And uh, you know, telling your people, you know, like, hey, I don't, I don't know. 
Um, but I'm going to go get the answer. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, fake it till you make it. Not in the fire service because they are going to know right away that you don't know what you're doing. And they're going to know you're lying. Yeah. Um, and you totally lose leadership credibility that way. So humility plays a big part in, into that. Um, the other part you talked about was was back in, in the old regime of, uh, you know, when you offer a solution and those people feel like you're challenging them. You know, that's an ego thing. And, and, uh, you really got to put your ego in check in this business because yeah. the people that are coming in, and I've said this through many podcasts, the people that are coming into this business are some smart people. They're just not these, you know, GED, uh, people, you know, that, that graduated uh, high school with a GED. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not picking on that, but, but you've got people that are coming in that they come from all walks of life with all backgrounds that are smart. And the moment you start thinking you're the smartest person in the room, your ego is going to get put in check. It's going to be spiked like a football in the end zones. So, uh, yeah, you really got to keep your ego in check. And, I, and, and, uh, you know, Anthony uh, Kestros and I talked last month about, uh, you know, secession planning is, is you want to set the people up, uh, to take your job one day and to be successful at it. Um, so you really need to give them the encouragement to take on projects. And, you know, you might start off with small projects and then move forward with bigger projects and, and offer them the help, keep them centered if that's what they need. And if they do a good job, let them know they did a good job. And then first and foremost, 100%, give them the credit for the job that they did. Yeah. How many times have you seen people, you put a project together and you present it to your boss and next thing you know, they're kind of crafting it like it was their project, man. And, and you know, Again, it comes back to ego. You have to be have, keep your ego in check where you could turn around and say, look, man, that wasn't your project. That was my project. You don't say anything. Yeah. You keep your ego in check. And if that, that person is so insecure in their life that they have to take your information, then, then you let them have it. But at the end of the day, uh, John Gallo, who was my captain, he was a master at this where he would give suggestions and tell people what needed to be done. And he would craft it in a way that that person thought it was their idea all along. And then they would go ahead and do it. And whether he got credit for it or not, it didn't matter because he ultimately got what he wanted. And, uh, that was a master of, of uh, manipulation there. And, and that's manipulation is a bad word, but, but he would throw those, those, uh, those, um, uh, changes out there but crafted so it made it sound like it was the person he's trying to get to implement the change it was their idea all along and and the change would be implemented so you know my hat's off to him and i don't yeah. think i'm ever could ever be that good that i could make somebody uh do the jedi mind trick on somebody and, saying, and uh find out that these truly aren't the droids manner, you're right? looking for <laughs> what's that he would say it in such a gentle manner that it was almost it really was like a jedi mind trick you know especially it, it, it um, was you know, I, I, I literally I had an interaction with him when he was battalion four, and I had a uh, that long, um, long uh, 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 mutton chops on the side of my, you know, the uh, the sideburns, and I don't even remember how he worded it, but I like immediately went to the <laughs> to the bathroom and cut him, and uh, it wasn't one of those things. I, I I left that, and I was like, even if it was like the wrong thing to do, I would have done it. I don't know how he how he crafted it that way. Um, uh, you know, it was a young firefighter kind of young cocky. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't know how he did it, but, um, he, I forget how he even worded it, but he, he spoke in such a gentle and almost like, I mean, completely non, non-confrontational tone, but you're like, you know, he was like, take me to your leader now. And you're like, I'm going to take you to my leader now. Like he, he just, you know, he had that gift and, and, and you see that, that, you know, 
certainly, um, I think these days we run into a little less of that stuff. Um, but it's, it's nice when you can able, when you're able to pitch it to somebody, a problem to somebody or an issue and they leave it and they're not, they're not, they're not upset. They're like, you know what? He's right. He's absolutely right. And I'm going to go do it right away. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's a good trait to have, you know, you know, I've been I've been pitching this for for quite a while now. I want people to to embrace these leadership roles, and I want them to learn how to lead people and how to and to how to be led, and and to you know have that sense of humility and and, and uh, you know take pride in your work, show pride to people when they do the right thing. Um, you know, these are things that uh, that I think that that we are. I've always been around in the fire service, but it was never down on pieces of paper or anything. And I think that uh, you know we are slowly embracing this this um, this leadership uh, void. We're, we're filling this void that we see in the fire service. I mean, even Fire Engineering Magazine. I think the uh, last month or month for last was like four or five articles just on communication and leadership and leading people and and, and all that kind of stuff. And I like seeing that stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we're come bumping up against the the end of our hour, Sam. So uh, again, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I, I always enjoy talking to you because you always, you know, you, you bring a good fresh perspective to things. And uh, the one thing that I can say about you is, is you are truly a cheerleader for your people out there. You are behind them a hundred percent when they're doing their work. You're, you're there. You're encouraging them. You're you're to the point where you're almost like throwing your arms around them and jumping up and down like they just scored a touchdown, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl. But uh, we need people like that in the fire service. We need people to let you know to say like, "Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm proud to be your boss. Um, I'm glad that, that that I'm your boss, um, or I'm glad that I'm your chief, and and that uh, you know the work that you do is, is it, it makes not only me look good, it makes the department look good, and and uh, they need to hear that. And uh, so I'll give you the last word before we sign off. Yeah, no, man. I just um, I, I think. Uh the American fire service is going in the right direction. I think, I think we're all, we're, we're all just, you know, we, we, you know, 30 years ago, uh, everybody was, uh, trying, you know, you had to kind of, I don't know, people were so distracted from, from the job. You just came in and did the job and then uh, everything else you talked about was anything but the job. And I can remember coming in the fires, you know, in the fire service in the early nineties, you, know, you didn't talk about calls you went on. You know, people were kind of like, "Oh, you just don't talk about it. You just don't talk about this or that." We've we've flourished into such a communicative communicative environment where we're we're communicating, uh, talking about calls, talking about everything. I think we're really in the um, and we're progressing. Uh, you know, I think we're in a real in real good shape. And uh, despite whatever everything going on with twenty twenty, I mean. You wait for the next thing. It's like, what's the next thing going to be like a, a, a you know, a tsunami in, in, in the Grand Canyon or something like that. But um, the American Fire Service, I think we've we've we're definitely headed in the right direction. And, and social media can can be a really bad thing, but I think it's been such a great thing for um, anybody that loves what they do because there's so many other people out there from all different walks of life and all different areas of the country that are on the same page and. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, all you have to do is be in it. Right. I, I when I was in, when I was in uh, elementary school, the, the, um, the summer camp I was in, the t-shirt said life be in it. And I, and I always thought, what does that mean? 
Well, that's what it is, right? All you have to do is come in and be in it, be in this thing. And uh, you're going to do right by it. You're going to learn so much and you're, and you're going to, and, and really you're, you're going to further, further what we're doing here, which is, uh, is, is taking care of one another, uh, ensuring the safety of, of our folks and our citizens and, uh, and, and really progressing, moving the fire service forward. Awesome, man. Well, again, Sam, thanks a lot for being on the show. And uh, until uh, our next shift together, hopefully I'll see you on something. Until then, take care. Yeah, that's right. I won't kill you. So take care of yourself and tell your wife and kids, hey. And uh, until then, uh, be safe. Have a good shift. Great talking to you, man. See you. See you.